good morning, everyone. Glad you're here today. And uh, if you would, pull out your teaching outline. Uh, I don't do that every Sunday, but this Sunday will be a good uh, resource for you to have over the uh, days uh, and weeks ahead. So if you could pull that out, uh, that'd be great. We're in the middle of a series, and we're in week four, and we've been talking about how uh, do I get well, Um, how to get well. And we talked about how to break through uh, the surface and actually breathe uh, in this thing called life. And we've taken uh, this word breathe, and each week we've tried to put a step with it or a way to kind of connect uh, one of the letters with one of the concepts that we're teaching on. And the first week, uh, we looked at uh, the B, uh, which stands uh, for uh, Blessed Are the Broken. And uh, we talked about how when we're broken, then we can open ourselves up to God. In week two, we looked at the R, uh, which stands for uh, Ready to Surrender. That I have to realize i got to kick myself off the throne, and I've got to put God on the throne uh, of my life, and I realize that I need somebody in my life who is bigger and better and smarter uh, than I am. And then last week, uh, we looked at the E, which stands for examine myself with fearless honesty. And if you remember, I encouraged you to get a pen and a notepad and to write down specific uh, sins in your life, things from your past or things that you're currently uh, dealing with, and to write those down. And I would ask a sign of hands how many of you did that this week, but I won't do that, so you don't have to raise your hand. But I would strongly encourage you, that step is so important that don't procrastinate on it. Take a half hour, 45 minutes by yourself and say, God, um, I want to examine myself with fearless honesty. What are the things in my life? What are the things in my past that separate me uh, from you? And then today, what we want to look at is the A, or to make amends uh, for my relationships. Now, many of you know that I am not a handyman at all. I don't know how to fix squat. And uh, there's a picture of me, and uh, a couple of weeks, or a couple of years ago, actually, um, a couple of years ago, there was a problem with our drain, and uh, it got clogged up. And when the water was supposed to go down the drain, when you turn the water on, it just rose in the sink. So I'm not, again, much of a repair person, but I realized something must be stuck in the pipes somewhere. So most of the time I call people to fix those kind of things, but this had happened several times, and I thought I need to learn how to fix this myself. So I did call someone, uh, but not to have them come over. I just called him to tell him what the problem was. And uh, I shared, hey, you know, there's something stuck and uh, need some help. And uh, He said, are you fixing it or is Jen fixing it? My wife. Talk about taking your man card out, you know, and getting it like, you know, drenched or torn up. And uh, so I said, well, 
no, 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 I'm going to fix it. And he said, well, I better come over. I was like, no, 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 you don't have to come over. Just tell me what it is. And so he said, okay. And uh, he said, you'll see there is this um, S-trap that is underneath your sink. And once I got all of Jen's beauty bottles out of the way, um, there's this thing that looks like an S. And it didn't look like an S to me. I didn't know what an S-trap was. So I said, well, what does it look like? And he said, it looks like an S. And I said, oh, okay. He said, there should be these two little, uh, you know, nuts. Unscrew those. They're plastic. And then you can pull it down. Just make sure you have a bucket underneath uh, so that everything can go through uh, when you finally clean it out. And I said, well, how do you clean it out? He said, do I have to tell you everything? I was like, yes, you do. And he said, well, you've got to get a screwdriver or a brush or something and go up that pipe and clean all of that out. Now, what do you think I found in that pipe? Jennifer's hair. <laughs> Big, long strands of Jennifer's hair all in this. And it didn't look beautiful like it is on her top of her head. I mean, it was nasty. And it looked nasty. And it started smelling nasty. And there's this black stuff like all in this. And it took me a half hour to like get this whole thing unstuck. But after about a half hour digging around, I eventually was able to get the drain kind of cleared up, put the S-trap back on, uh, got it all ready to go. And what was stuck, what was causing the problem, was now unstuck. And the water drained perfectly. Now, this is the point. Some of you have relationships today that are stuck. And you want it unstuck. But you don't want to go through all that you would have to go through to make it unstuck. You've hurt other people, or people have hurt you. And eventually, so much stuff happens in our life that it gets stuck. And there's this buildup around it. And no longer does the pain just kind of drain away, but it's stuck right there in our life. And it hurts, and it smells, and it stinks. And every single person in this gymnasium today has one thing in common. We all have broken relationships. Whether it's an ex-spouse your parents, a sister, a brother, a friend, a co-worker, a boss, you have someone in your life where there is hurt and pain and brokenness. But God says, if you want to get well, if you want to walk free, you've got to make things right. And that's the step that we're going to talk about today, about making amends, about getting things un stuck in your relational world. So let's look at this first, uh, or our fourth step, but this is the step, and uh, we'll pull it up, and it says, I must amend my relationships by forgiving those who hurt me and seeking forgiveness from those I've hurt. That's what we're going to focus on uh, today. In fact, let's go ahead and let's just read this step out loud together, okay? So let's read it out loud. I must amend my relationships by forgiving those who have hurt me and seeking forgiveness from those I've hurt. Now, this whole step 
is based on a particular passage of Scripture in Colossians uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 13. And uh, we'll go ahead and let's read this out loud together. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now there was one key word that was in both the step and in this scripture. Did any of you figure out what that word is? Must. Yeah, exactly. It's the word must. Not ought to, not might, not I think I should, but it is I must. You see, freedom and wellness comes with no other option. So, Jesus, please listen to what he says again. Do you want to get well? Because if you want to get well, it must involve making amends and forgiving. So, let's talk about why must I forgive those people who hurt me? Why must I do that? Why must I forgive those who hurt me? Well, first of all, it's because God has forgiven me. Because God has forgiven me. Again, remember that scripture in Colossians that said, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other people. If I'm inviting God into my life, if I've done the second step in which I have uh, surrendered control and care to Jesus Christ himself, if I've experienced his incredible forgiveness for my truckload of sin, then I must now extend the same kind of forgiveness toward other people. Romans 2, chapter 4 says this, Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind He has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? In other words, if God has given you grace, when what you really deserve is His anger, his wrath, his justice, his retribution, then who are you to withhold grace from those who have caused pain in your life? But many of you are at this point in your life, and and I've been there too, and sometimes I still am, but they owe me! They owe me. My parents hurt me, and they owe me. Those kids at school hurt me, and they owe me. My brother owes me. My old boyfriend, who caused all of that damage to my life, he owes me. My ex-spouse, they owe me. That friend owes me. And I, and if I let them off the hook, then that just isn't fair. It wouldn't be fair. They must And Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You see, friends, we owed God. And aren't you glad that God didn't give us fair? We owed him something. So just give us fair. But he gave us grace. He gave us his one and only son who went to the cross 
and took on the debt of all of our sins, of every single one of your sins, in your past, what your, what your sin load is now, and what you will send in the future, he took it all on and he racked it up on himself. But there's something in our flesh. There's just something within us. It's human nature. And we cry out and we want revenge. We want that person to get what they have coming to them because they hurt us. We cry out for retribution. We cry out for revenge. We want vengeance. We kind of have this adrenaline rush. You ever had that before where you're watching a movie and the bad guy dies or the bad guy gets beat up or justice comes to the bad guy and you're like, yes! I've been in movie theaters before where all of a sudden you hear people like, yeah, kill him! I'm like, whoa! Dude, it's a movie! You know? But there's like something within us that is just, you know, man, we want them to get what they deserve. Now, this bombed the first celebration, so I'm taking a chance here, okay? If you have ever watched American Idol, or you think you might be a fan of American Idol, please raise your hand. Okay, last time, I was the only person who raised my hand in the entire celebration. My wife Jennifer and I, we watch this because her love language is quality time. We DVR it every single week. We sit on a couch, we cuddle together, and we watch these people sing. And then we fast forward. But that's our time together. And at the end of this whole experience, there is a winner. Now, the winner that we think uh, who, you know, is probably the most famous American Idol is this person. Who is that? Carrie Underwood. Now, guys, those of you who are salivating right now, she is married. So, hands off, okay? But she's sweet, she's cute, she writes some really cool songs. One of my favorite was uh, a few years ago called Jesus Take the Will, and it was really, really neat. But she also wrote a song uh, called Next Time He Cheats. And the lyrics go something like this. I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. I carved my name into his leather seats. I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. And I'm sure if you've ever been to one of her concerts, there's people like, you know, with lighters going, Yeah, man! probably more women than men, so if you're a male and you're here for the first time, I am pretty macho, so uh, come back next week and I'll show that. But there's something within us, when someone does something to us, we're like, get them back! Yeah, 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 yeah! And I think we really deceive ourselves to think that there is any freedom by holding resentment and bitterness. That we think There's freedom that lies in revenge, but that's just a lie. Friends, if you think revenge is going to get you set free, you are deceived. So God forgave you, so you must forgive others. The second reason why we uh, must forgive those who've hurt us is because resentment is stupid. Resentment is stupid. Look at what it says in Job chapter 5, verse 2. Resentment kills a fool, and envy slays the simple. 
Just to be very honest, resentment is stupid. Bitterness is stupid. And sometimes, folks, when you have that kind of resentment and bitterness in your life, you do stupid things. It's irrational, it's unhealthy, it's unproductive. Did I say it was stupid? Yeah. Of course, you know, we're going to have four-year-olds today that are going all around. And that's why I send my kids to draw our kids. But Job chapter 18, verse 4 says this, You are only hurting who? What's it say? Who? You're only hurting yourself with your anger. You see, the problem is some of you are stewing and spewing and you're all upset about something that someone did to you that hurt you. And it may have been a year, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years ago. They may have even already forgotten about it. They don't even think about how they hurt you. But there's something within you that you're like, they've got to get paid back. Sometimes I've known people even who people have died. They're dead. Their body is decomposing in the grave. And people are still angry and resentful and bitter towards that person. Listen, resentment can't change the past. It can't change the person. It only hurts you. This past week I looked at some health studies um, because I like to... My wife's a physician, so every once in a while I like to act like I know what I'm doing. And uh, I give her a little thing. And so I looked at these health studies on resentment and bitterness. And there was a study that was done by psychologists and uh, medical doctors looking at bitterness and resentment on people's health. And this is what they found. An increase in stress, hypertension, heart disease, your immune system goes down. In other words, there's a direct correlation to bitter people and resentful people, and the fact that they stay sick longer. Study. Because unresolved bitterness damages people's health. You know, the adage is so true. It is not what you eat that kills you, but it's what eats you. And I've watched people who go through their whole life and they refuse to let go of their past. They refuse to allow God to come in and heal their relational scars and wounds. And they won't give up revenge. And bitterness just literally like starts eating them like a cancer. I mean, the problem with bitterness and resentment is that there's many times people don't go for chemotherapy or they don't go for radiation because you know why? They don't want to forgive. And so it just stays within them, and it eats from the inside out. And people get to see it. They see the outside of what is happening on the inside. Look at what it says in Job chapter 21. Some people stay healthy till the day they die. They die happy and at ease. Others have no happiness at all. They live and they die with what kind of hearts? Bitter hearts. Unforgiveness, bitterness, it's a really bad option. You also have to realize, folks, that you need to forgive people because you're going to need forgiveness in the future. I mean, you might be an angel today, but by this afternoon, some of you are going to need some forgiveness. And Jesus says this. He says, and when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. 
If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sin. You know, one of my greatest goals in life, probably the greatest goal, is that I want to be made clean vertically and I want clean horizontal. In other words, I want a healthy relationship with God and I want a healthy relationship with all of the people in my life. And isn't it interesting when you do something vertical and horizontal, it becomes a cross because the one who knows how to make your life the healthiest and give you power to really live in freedom is Jesus himself. And that's why you must forgive. So how do you do this? How do you extend forgiveness to someone who has hurt you? Well, first of all, my suggestion would be that you invite God into the process. That you invite God to be involved in the process. Like I said last week, it always begins with a prayer where you invite God to come into your life. And you take a pen and a piece of paper And then you say, God, I'm going to say this prayer. And this is the prayer you might open with uh, when you start this process of forgiveness. God, I have some bitterness and resentment towards some people in my life. I haven't been as good about forgiving the way that I know you call, call me to be. So I ask you right now to please bring to mind all the people in my life who have hurt me. Whoever those people are, God, give me those people so that I can begin the forgiveness process. And then you take that pen and it leads to step number two and you start writing down all of their names. And if a name comes to you, you just write it down. Eventually, once you get everything down, you might be like, you know what, I don't think that's the issue, but oh, that was probably this story and it was that other person. But you just start writing down the names of people that have hurt you. Now, I've found a lot of times that when people start doing this exercise, there's a name that's often forgotten, but they may feel it the most more than any other name. And the name is myself. I'm always amazed at how many times when we teach on forgiveness and we ask people to write something down, that time and time again, it's not the forgiveness of another person, but it actually is the forgiveness of oneself. And what my suggestion would be is as you write all of these names down, at the very bottom name, you just write that word, myself. You see, just like there is unresolved bitterness, and it can create mass destruction, unresolved guilt can too. It's a weapon of mass destruction. And forgiving yourself is embracing the truth that there is a God who sent Jesus, and he forgives all. And if God, forgive, if God can forgive me, then I must forgive myself. You know, Jesus one time talked about forgiveness, and he said, those who have been forgiven much know how to love much. Think about that. Those who have been forgiven much know how to love much. And that's why uh, I realize more and more, I want my love meter up more because I've been forgiven so much. People find it very hard to forgive people unless they've forgiven themselves. But when you know that you've been touched by the grace of God, how can you not then extend that same grace to the people 
around you. The last thing then, you finally just have to bite the bullet and you have to forgive them. Whoever it is, you have to forgive them. You release them to God and you say, Father, I forgive them. I will not hold a grudge against them anymore. And then if you're able to, if it's a safe enough relationship, and not every relationship is, but if it's safe enough, you actually set up a time where you will go and face-to-face say, I forgive you for X. And if you say, I don't know if that's going to be well-received, then you write a letter to them or you call them on the phone. Now, I would suggest when you get to this point that you do not Twitter it or text it or Facebook it, okay? I don't know why it is, but we live in a culture in which people want to resolve all of their conflict via the Internet. Now, get this, folks. Forgiveness needs to be personal because you got hurt in a personal way. You don't try to do something in a non-personal way when it hurt you personally. So forgiveness needs to be personal. Now, as you prepare to take this step, let me share with you real quickly what forgiveness is not. Because I think people get really confused about this. First of all, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. People sometimes will say, well, you just got to forgive and forget. No, you don't. (laughs) In fact, it would be very difficult for a person to forget how another person has hurt them. When you've been hurt, it leaves scars and wounds. And sometimes people get hurt so bad that it leaves physical scars and wounds. You can't forget that. It's like I got hit with a baseball when I was five years old. The guy said, I'm going to throw a curveball. And I was like, okay, he said, just leave your mat right here. It'll look like it's going to curve in. Or it looks like it's going to be way outside, but it'll curve eventually. And I'm a five-year-old kid, and I got my glove like that. It never curved. Bam! Hit my head. You know, blood gashing everywhere all over the place. It was bad. Now, do you think I forget that? No! It hurt! It hurt, like, really, really bad. And after I beat that kid up... No, I'm joking. He's a lot older than me. Um, but, you know, I, I forgave him for it. We were playing two days after that. But I didn't forget it because I, I still have a scar. There. Forgiveness is not forgetting. The second thing forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not saying, this is no big deal. It's just no big deal. They hurt me, but it's no big deal. No, folks, it was a big deal. You got hurt. That's a big deal when you get hurt. You experience pain or someone betrayed you in some way, so you don't minimize it, you don't rationalize it, you don't try to excuse that person's behavior. And then finally, uh, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. How many of you wake up in the morning and you go, I wonder who I'm going to forgive today? (laughs) Oh, I just can't wait! Folks, don't wait until you feel like forgiving because you know what? You'll never forgive anybody. If you wait until you feel like it, you'll never do it. Forgiveness is not based upon feelings. Forgiveness is based upon a choice. It's based upon your will. 
You need to make the hard choice that you're going to forgive the person no matter what. And then you allow God to heal the damage of the relationship. And when you forgive, and you forgive from this heart place, from this deep heart place, all of a sudden, those painful things will hit. And you'll be like, oh, man. But I've only found that when I really forgive people and I release them, I totally let them go, and I actually want God's blessing on their life, it's because I've actually felt that pain and that hurt again to a point where I'm like, I acknowledge it, I acknowledge the pain, and I'm not going to bury it in my emotions. I'm going to let it come to the surface, and then I'll let it go. You acknowledge it. You acknowledge the hate. You acknowledge the pain. You acknowledge it all so that you can forgive from the heart. Now, I want you to know that it's not always possible to forgive. In fact, sometimes a meeting with the person to forgive. In other words, sometimes you can't make amends. And why do I say that? Um, There's a passage of Scripture. We'll look at it in just a second. But it talks about as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone, sometimes it doesn't depend upon you. You know, forgiveness is a two-way street. The person actually has to allow you to come in to their relational world. Sometimes it's not profitable. Sometimes it's not possible. It's not advisable. Sometimes to go back to someone who's hurt you. Maybe they got remarried already. Maybe something's changed in their life. Maybe they moved away. Maybe they're dead. Some don't even know that they hurt you. Can you imagine uh, going to somebody who maybe in third grade, you know, uh, locked you in the bathroom stall, and you go to them and you go, you hurt me, but I forgive you. And you haven't talked to them in 30 years? That can do a lot more damage than help, right? Some things you just forgive and you let go. But some things you have to go and you make amends. So in a lot of cases, uh, you just have to release people to God. Maybe you write down a letter, but you never send it. Or uh, I've done this before. I'll take an empty chair and I'll put that chair there and I'll imagine that that person, whoever it is that I have this, and I'll, I'll just say, hey, I forgive you. Now if you do that, don't do that in a public place because people will think you're pretty weird. Um, but you take some steps like that. Folks, let me say this too. Forgiveness is not about getting even. You let the person go to God. You let him or her off the hook. You refuse to just hold on to that bitterness. Because when you don't, I remember going to counseling, and uh, I was dealing with some uh, anger issues in my life with another person, and he said bitterness is like a, a fishing hook. Every time you get bitter, it's like that person hooks you and they get you right back into it. And what you want to do is cut the lines and say, I forgive you, I release you. And then all of a sudden you're not hooked in to that person anymore. You're not chained to your past. You're not bound up in your bitterness. Romans 17, or Romans 12, verse 17 says this. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see You are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. So you make a choice. You give up your right to get even and you let the other person go. You allow God to deal with them. And you don't wait for that 
person to come up and ask for forgiveness. Uh, nothing against females, but I've seen this many times with women. I'm not going to do anything until they come up and ask for forgiveness. Now, guys just don't even do it. You know, they're just like, ah, he's a jerk anyways, I don't care. No. That's weird, though. I'm going to wait until they come and, hey, wait until you come and ask for it. Then I'll give it to you. No, no, no. You be the bigger person. Mother Teresa used to say this. Usually in every conflict, you are guilty of some piece of whatever the hurt is. And if your part is 1%, then you be the first one to forgive for the 1%. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Now, again, folks, you don't have to be buddy-buddy with these people. They've hurt you in a painful way. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is a given. Jesus says we have to give that. Trust, though, has to be earned. You don't allow people back into your life again and at the same level of that trust. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. You don't have to stay with the person if they've hurt you. You don't have to invite them to your kid's birthday party. Oh, gosh, I guess invite her. You don't have to be Facebook friends. But God says you've got to forgive them. Folks, there's a harsh reality in life, and all of us are going to experience this. People make mistakes, and people hurt people. It's going to happen to you this week. Someone's going to make a mistake in your work world, in your home world, uh, in your relational world somewhere. And someone's going to hurt you. And Jesus says, forgive them. Forgive them quickly. Forgive them often. Remember this passage of Scripture in which Jesus said, you are to forgive people. How far? Forgive them 70 times 7. And Jesus didn't mean 490 times and then I'm done. Okay? What he meant was that you forgive often because people are going to hurt you often. But in forgiveness, remember, it's okay to have healthy boundaries, to take a stand, to not excuse their behavior. And don't do this. Sometimes when people get hurt, after a while they feel so guilty about so many things in their life, they're like, maybe it really was my fault. You ever do that before? That eventually it gets to a point where you're like, oh, it was. No, no, it probably wasn't your fault. But you're just feeling bad about the fact that the other person doesn't want to accept some forgiveness. And when you get to this point, don't say to God, God, I would forgive them, but... And then you listen, because I used to call these butt busters. Every time you say the word but, everything after that, it just negates everything you said before. God, I want to forgive this person, but... No, you don't. You don't want to forgive that person. You wouldn't have put but in there. So you say, God, I want the strength to be able to do this. I forgive this person in advance. I give up my right to get even. Any of you Andy Griffith fans here? Hand here, a few of us. Okay, I am a big Andy Griffith fan. Uh, I love the show. I love uh, Andy and Opie. I love Aunt B and Barney. I love Goober and Gomer. I love Ernest T. Bass. And um, one of my favorites uh, is uh, the character named Otis. I think we got a picture of him there. And Otis was the self-proclaimed town drunk. And whenever he would have a drunken stupor, he would kind of walk on in, 
and he knew where the key was because it was right outside the cell. And he would take off the key and he would put it into, you know, the cell door and he'd open himself and he'd let himself in and then he'd put the key back on there. And after he had, you know, kind of slept off a little bit, he'd put his hand outside there and he would get the key out and he would let himself out the door. And I used to always think, that is the dumbest place to put a key. Why would you put a key right outside the cell? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Well, God's got a key for your cell. Your cell of bitterness, resentment, it's right outside the door. It's called forgiveness. He says, I'll help you to know how to do it, but all you've got to do is just, just reach right outside. You pick it up. And you can set yourself Let's read uh, our step for today again out loud. It'll come up on the screen. I must amend my relationships by forgiving those who have hurt me and seeking forgiveness from those I've hurt. You see, there's a second part to this whole thing, and that is making amends to people that you've hurt in some way. This is where you make a list of the people in your life that you've hurt. And you write down all of those people, whoever they are, and you do your best to make amends with them. People you need to make amends with. Romans chapter 12 has several lines that say some powerful words. And uh, Paul says this, Love must be sincere. Honor one another above yourselves. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Live in harmony with one another. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends upon you, you make things right. So how do you do it? How do you make amends for your actions? Well, first of all, you have to ask some questions. The first question is, what did I do? Or, I'm sorry, that's the second question. Who did I hurt? Who did I hurt? Now, some of you, I know right now, you don't mean to be this way, but you're self-righteous. And you're thinking to yourself right now, I have no one that I need to make amends with. So I thought I'd just prime the pump a little bit to see if any of these questions might give you some helpful memory jostlers to get you started here, okay? Is there anybody that you haven't paid a debt back to? Anybody you've stolen from? Anybody you've broken a promise to? Anybody you've ever made fun of? Anybody you've ever been guilty of over-controlling? Anybody you've ever been harsh with? Your wife, your husband, a sister, a child, a parent, an employee, a boss? Anybody you're hypercritical of? Anybody you've ever been verbally abusive to, physically abusive to, emotionally abusive to, unfaithful to? Is there anybody in your life that you have ever lied to? Are those enough questions or do I need to give you a few more? Probably not, right? So first of all, who did I hurt? Secondly, what did I do? Did I do something? Did I say something? What is it that I did? And then thirdly, you need to ask, why did I do that? Was I angry? Did I want to control them? Did I want to manipulate them? Did I want to intimidate them? And then finally, you ask this question. What happened as a result? What happened? 
They left. They walked away. I don't talk to them anymore. Because what that does is that helps the apology to be heartfelt and sincere. Because you've thought through the motives and you know exactly the pain that you've caused. I wanted to end our time together by having you guys hear a story of restoration. A powerful story of people making amends. And uh, so I'm inviting uh, Steve and uh, Jennifer Welch uh, to come up and share their story. And if you would, uh, please give them a hand as they come up. Guys, thanks so much to uh, be willing to share your story for uh, a second time. Uh, they did so well at the first celebration, we invited them back. Um, but, um, Steve, why don't we just kind of let the, uh, what do they call that? The cat out of the cat bag. Out of the bag. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Let the cat out of the bag. Why don't you share a little bit about kind of a painful thing, uh, a hurt that you caused Jennifer in uh, June of 2011 that that really kind of um, destroyed your marriage. Right. Um, after a couple of divorces and uh, my mom passing away, um, just was going through a lot of different emotions and each was seemingly magnified because of losing mom. And uh, I became very irritable and quick to lose my temper. I would yell and scream, and our marriage was unhealthy because of me. Over the course of our relationship, uh, which we were married seven years the first time, um, I put Jenny down. I tried to control her, and uh, eventually I lost it, and things got physical. Um, Because of my actions, Jennifer was finished with me, and rightfully so. Uh, She filed for divorce, and I soon moved out. So this physical altercation kind of hits. That's the line. And then what was going on with you during that time? Yeah. Well, as Steve said, I was finished. Um, I filed for divorce, and my son and daughter um, started a life, a new life together. Um, from the outside looking in, our marriage seemed to be fine. Everything seemed to be going great with us. But um, the physical, emotional, and spiritual pain had taken its toll. Um, during our time apart, um, things were good. I was happy. Um, I was happy that he was gone. Um, but anytime anything happened, whether it was good or bad, um, Steve was the person that I wanted to call and talk to and just share those things with. Um, but I also knew that until um, he surrendered his life to Christ that I had to just keep these feelings to myself. Yeah. So you kind of hit your lowest of low at this point, Steve, and um, you're kind of living by yourself. I mean, no family, no marriage. I remember you telling me about a one-bedroom apartment and, Pretty much just saw the the four walls there. Uh, what were you kind of experiencing during that time? Well, in a moment, um, a heated moment, my life had become a train wreck. The guilt and the shame and the disgrace I had made uh, it had made me miserable. The only thing I ever had wanted was gone, and that was my family. Uh, although I acted like I was following God, I was following Steve and only Steve. My only uh, my life seemed to be in shambles. I pushed away my friends. Uh, soon unemployment followed. 
and I couldn't pay my bills, of course, and I didn't have enough time with my daughter, and I felt hopeless. Yeah. And uh, what, you're, you kind of hit this low breaking point, um, and what, what kind of happened next, though? Well, like you said about the apartment, it's just a one-bedroom, small efficiency, kitchen, bath, just looking at walls all the time, and I, I, uh, I knew I was broken, and so I uh, started going to CR, and for the first time, I admitted that I was broken and powerless, and that I needed God, not just in my life, but uh, I needed Him to take the reins and control everything for me. I started uh, working the steps and attending a church on my own called the Maxville Christian Church, um, not because that I thought it would get my marriage back together, but because I needed God, and I needed God to surrender to surrender to God and Him alone every day. Uh, also, during this time, I started uh, taking a moral inventory of my life. It was painful, but the more I looked in the mirror and tried to make things right in my life, the more freedom I felt, and uh, I felt like I could look in the mirror for the first time in so long and, and actually smile at myself. Yeah. So you're working the steps, and... Um... Some of this, Jennifer, you didn't even know was going on. So um, what did you notice, maybe initially and then over a period of time? Well, at first I didn't notice much, and to be honest, I didn't care. <laughs> um, I just didn't want him around. Um, I had seen many times him make changes before, um, and they would last for a couple weeks, and then he would just be back to his own selfish ways, and so it, it didn't mean anything to me. Um, but one of the best things that he did was he gave me space, and he just worked on himself. Um, and as the days turned into weeks, and the weeks into months, and the months into a year, and then a year and a half, um, I knew at that point that um, during that time he was simply praying for God to restore our marriage. Yeah. So you're praying, uh, Steve, during this whole time that there'd be kind of a restoration process. And I uh, wondered if you could kind of... Maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Chris. Uh, after <clears throat> working step four, I was ready and confident that God was right there beside me and never would give up on me. I began to let a few close friends back in and started looking at life in a whole new way, uh, building trust with Jenny and uh, being the dad to Molly that my heart desired to be. I apologized uh, for all my wrongdoings, including being a self-centered, uh, mean-spirited man. I asked for forgiveness not for, uh, for not being the godly man that Jenny deserved. I shared uh, how for the first time that I had fully surrendered to God and wanted to live His ways. And I did this because I wanted to honor God. And I, I prayed that <clears throat> taking this step might lead to restoration. Yeah. Now, Jennifer, how did, as he begins this process of kind of making amends, um, what happened with that? Well, I was shocked. Um, it was a totally different man that was standing in front of me. Um, he, uh, the pride was gone. The attitude was gone. The need to control me, um, they were all gone. Um, and I was very attracted to the new Steve. Um, it wasn't the man that I had originally married, but it was a follower of Christ um, that used to be my husband. Um, it was real, it was honest, um, and it had been a year and a half of him living a life of surrender and making um, Christ the top spot in his life. And finally, I was able to forgive him. Um, and then um, I also asked for his forgiveness for my part in our failed marriage. 
Um, and Steve, um, what happened kind of after this? I know it didn't happen overnight. I know it took some time. Um, but what happened in this period of making amends? Oh, well, I just kept working the steps and going to church and praying for my family. I uh, can remember night after night, praying late into the night that God would restore my marriage and my family. And then uh, pretty soon things started to just feel like they were falling in place. And um, I got my old job back and financially was doing okay. And uh, then one day something happened. I ran out of fuel in my car and uh, I needed help. A police officer picked me up, uh, took me back to my house, and I tried to uh, call friend after friend, and nobody was available. So finally I called Jenny, and uh, she was really nice, and she told me that she was at the Pizza King, and when she was finished eating, she would be glad to help me. And so graciously, after uh, she did help me uh, get some fuel, I put the fuel can back into her car and said goodbye, but to my surprise, she asked if we could talk. We, after we talked for a little while, uh, she went on her way, and then we began developing our friendship again and praying together. We shared about how we were growing in Christ, and finally, over a few months and after a few dates and her coming to my church uh, a few times, we committed to get remarried, and on November the 10th of last year, we became husband and wife. Okay. There's a picture of him there. And that was, that was the greatest day of my life because God, to me, God had restored all. Um, well, guys, any uh, final words? People are here and they probably have different relationships that they're in. Or, um, so, Steve, maybe if you want to go first and just kind of share anything about making amends. Okay. I would, uh, I would encourage every person here that if you have hurt someone to take the step to, and make amends, um, ask for forgiveness, and just bite the bullet and do it. Uh, everything may not be restored all at once, but in God's time, He will restore you. And uh, a life with Christ is a life where shame no longer consumes you, but grace and mercy do. And Jennifer, any kind of final thoughts on making amends? Mm-hmm. Um, if someone uh, seeks forgiveness as Christians, we are uh, we must forgive them. Uh, Chris shared in Colossians 3 that we forgive because Christ forgave us. Um, and so it just it takes time, but um, we're called to forgive others. Um, for us, it was a one-and-a-half-year journey um, towards forgiveness, but it has led to a healthy marriage and family. Um, in fact, it even led to an addition to our family. Um, this is Lydia. Um, <laughs> Uh, we rejoice in God giving her to us and helping us heal so we can raise her um, in a home where Christ is at the um, the top spot. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, both of us, you know, fully surrendering to um, Christ's care and control um, were the best choices that we ever made um, for our marriage. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, I, I know you haven't got much sleep <laughs> over the last few weeks, and uh, to be able to come up and share this uh, really means a lot to me, and I know it does to you guys too. And so, uh, would you just give them a hand again? Well, you know, Steve and Jennifer, they get forgiveness. 
Um, Steve understood what it was like to go and to say, hey, I really screwed up. I messed up. I made a shambles. Did it multiple times to make amends. And Jennifer understood what it meant to say, yeah, I, I forgive you. And, you know, I've been praying about it uh, this week. And my greatest prayer is that every single one of you would get forgiveness too. Like you would really understand it. And um, so the way we're going to kind of close is I'm gonna, just going to give you a moment. Um, and I, I want you to ask God a couple of things. First of all, to ask him, who is the person that's hurt me that I need to forgive? I don't know who that is, but I have a feeling you know who that is. And I'm going to ask God that he would reveal whoever that is. And then secondly, if there's someone that you've hurt, um, someone that you need to make amends with, that that you would do that. And so the way we're going to do this is uh, I'm going to give you a moment to be with God. Some scriptures are going to fly up on the screen from what we talked about today. And then I'd like you to just write down who's the person I need to forgive, who's the person that I need to ask forgiveness, and then plan this week to do it. So let's take a couple of moments and we'll uh, see some scriptures come up and, and focus in on God. God, thank you most of all for forgiving us any time that we come to you. Thank you that you're never disgusted by the dark places in our life, but that you always welcome us with open arms. 
Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your constant forgiveness in our lives. And if you guys would, I'd just like you to kind of prayer, pray these uh, words silently, just in your head, but that it really becomes your prayer. Just kind of repeat these words after me. God, help me today in this moment to release the person in my life who you've brought as a picture to my mind. They hurt me, God. They wounded me. They don't deserve your forgiveness. They don't deserve my forgiveness. But I know I cannot fully be forgiven by you until I forgive them. So as best as I know, I release that person and I forgive them in your name. And God, I pray that you give me guts also to make amends with those that I've hurt. Help me to humble myself and make the right choice to make things right. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you're here for the first time, stop by Guest Connections and uh, pick up your free gift and uh, we'll have the baptism.